0: Guys, I hope there's no question in your minds about um, my, uh, there shouldn't be, I don't think, uh, about my commitment to and my love for this book. Um, It is, in my opinion, the very mind of God is black words on a white page. Uh, It is authoritative in everything that it does and everything that it says. But portions of it are just harder. They're harder to listen to. They're harder to teach. And they're harder to cope with um, just in terms of what they're saying. May may I say to you also, guys, that um, Romans 12, is God means it just as much as he means John 3.16. I mean, it's not like, well, you know, some of those are really important, but this one, you know, we just kind of... We can't do that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all intended to be um, dealt with, um, thought through, applied, whatever whatever word you want to use. But there are portions of it that just, I'm going to say it like this, I really don't mean it, but they just make the skin crawl. They make the skin of the soul crawl. Um, and I think you're going to see what I mean when, when you look at, uh, not only this verse, or, or, we'll try to cover two tonight, because we got to kind of speed a little bit up, but um, but next week, it's just hard. And, and if you ever thought that you were getting into something when you became a Christian that was, um, um, oh, I don't know, a, a casual, just thumb your nose to it every now and then, well then... Um, think again, because the the ethic of Jesus Christ is radical, radical, and you get an example of that tonight. But before we get to it, guys, there are some exhortations. It's interesting in the Greek New Testament, the Greek is not divided up into paragraphs. What you what I, what I have uh, is a paragraph from verses nine through thirteen. And then a new paragraph at verse 14. And I think that the translators have done us a favor. It is a it is a new direction. Um, the, the, the text kind of heads off in a different kind of direction. But the problem with exhortations like these, beginning in verse 14, is that they seem so far beyond us. And therefore, to, to look at them, to try and teach them, to try and understand them, is it's almost discouraging. it's not almost, it is discouraging when we start when we start to take this stuff seriously. You ready for an example? Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. How am I gonna make that short? Of making the skin of my soul crawl. You know, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the name. My wife will probably die. Um, But I, um, you're dying already. She's dying before I even use the name. But um, because I've tried to, I I, I've been dealing with this text for a week, and I think, okay, where Lord Jesus would you have me? you know, as, as much critique as I get, it, it, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of enemies out there. I may have a few, but you know, I, I'm trying to think. Okay, now who who do I need to apply this text to? Who do I need to to bless and not curse, though persecuting? And and um, interestingly, the 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 man's name that came to mind is on the radio. His name is Thaddeus Matthews. Have any of you heard Thaddeus Matthews on 990 at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Michael, is he not insane? I, I'm telling you, if you think there is a racist in this room, ladies and gentlemen, whatever racism I has, I have pales. Pales into insignificance. He is dangerous. And somebody needs to get him off the air. And I will say that in public. Somebody needs to get this man stopped from what he's doing to our community. And by the way, one of the things that he's doing presently affects this congregation. Am I telling the truth, Susie? It affects this congregation. And I think, okay... How do I bless him and not curse him? Now, I, I use that example because I'm saying, you've got people in your life. You know, maybe, I don't know where you want to choose. But when I, when I kneel in the morning to pray and I'm trying to think, okay, God, here is an ethic that you expect of me. So it doesn't just get applied to some kind of general faceless mass out there. It's got to be applied to a persecuting enemy. And I'm telling you guys, when you get ready to, and I, mean, I think you probably already are there, I mean, when, you, when, you're, when you're ready to take these exhortations and injunctions seriously, they'll discourage you because they're so far beyond us. I had a man say one time, I'll tell you what, here's a text that that half of you don't even know is in the Bible. I bet you don't. Um, it says this, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Did you know that's in the New Testament? It's in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 14. Go home and check it out. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. I saw a woman today, she had a t-shirt on, she says, no whining. Well, that's not in the Bible. But... Uh, uh, but do everything without grumbling and complaining is, ladies and gentlemen, if you were to remove all of the injunctions, all of the commands, all of the precepts, all of the statutes, all of the injunctions that you find in the Bible, and the only thing that Christians ever had to do, the only thing a Christian ever did was do everything without grumbling and complaining. If that's all we had. I mean, forget the Ten Commandments, forget the Sermon on the Mount, forget all that business. Just that one text, do everything without grumbling or complaining. How would you do? That's all. That's all. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we are slain in this room, are we not? Just by that. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to suggest to you that that is easy compared to this. That there is, there is no greater demand, I don't think, uh, you, you might find something, but in my opinion, there's no greater demand that is placed on the Christian than this injunction in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Now, guys, um, my job is to teach you what it says, um, but I have to tell you, um, they're discouraging to deal with because I, they're, they're so far beyond my behavior. Um, so let me, let me do our, the best I can to, to try and be faithful to the text but just letting you know that it's not easy to teach. I know it's not easy to listen to. Um, And it is certainly not easy to perform. I I will say this. The only ones who have a shot at performing it it, are we Christians. Um, You cannot get Christian conduct out of a non-Christian. You can get moralisms. You can get morality. But you cannot get Christian conduct and that's what this is so the ones who'd have a, a chance at seeing their souls become something that can produce this are those of us who have been born of the spirit uh, Christians so let's take a look at it and, and do the best we can with it and um, and then we'll try to get verse 15 as well you need to notice, it, I mean, it's certainly not a, 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 um, a great observation on my part, it's, but you need to notice that the, the Scriptures um, assumes that Christians are going to be opposed and, in fact, persecuted. If I could, uh, if I could read you just a, a word of commentary on, um, on verse 14 of Romans 12. It comes out of the mouth of Jesus. He says, persecute you if they kept my word they will also keep yours now guys um, one of the things that you would be a, a nice exercise if you if you are so inclined is to take the first 20 psalms the first 20 um, that'll be plenty for you I promise now you don't need the other 130 just take the first 20 and notice in there how many times this psalmist, David, talks about enemies. Um, how God delivered me from my enemies, the people that oppose it. Go, just, just underscore every time you find something like that in the first 20 psalms. Guys, one, one of the books, I mean, this is the book that we do in our grace group. It's, it's called Pilgrim's Progress. It's a line in Pilgrim's Progress that I quote frequently. But um, it's, it's when Pilgrim, who is, you know, you know this story kind of, uh, Pilgrim, it leaves the city of destruction, he becomes Christian and he becomes, uh, he leaves the city of destruction. He's on the way to heavenly, the, the, the heavenly city, the eternal city. It's just a story about a Christian who gets converted and, and is headed to heaven. And it's life. One of the chapters in there is a chapter about Apollyon. Apollyon is, is one of the words that you find, even in the book of Revelation, used to, uh, it's, a, it's a moniker for Satan. It's a name for Satan. Apollyon. And so Christian meets up with Apollyon on his way to the eternal city. And Apollyon begins just to beat the devil out of him. Well, that's not that's a, <laughs> just, just to beat him up, you know. Uh, and, um, um, and 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 in the in the fight, there's a conversation that breaks out between the two of them. And Apollyon says this: I hate you. I hate your prince, and I hate his word. <laughs> now, guys, that's another piece of commentary on the fact the Bible never tries to soft sell. The Bible never tries to hide anything from you. It never tries to trick you into uh, into some kind of commitment. It always is very upfront. It never tries to mislead you. It says, in essence, that your enemy... Hates your prince, he hates his word, and he hates you. The Bible always presents this persecution thing as a fact. Nothing, nothing that you have to do. Oh, well, I will say some persecution that Christians endure is unnecessary. It's unneeded because we're stupid. Because we're, we're, we just do. I'll tell you a quick story. um, I read this years ago, about a well-intentioned, well-meaning uh, church. And this re- actually happened. This re- They really did this. And they were, in their sweet efforts, I'm, I'm sure they were rightly motivated. They got a hot air balloon. And they floated over the community, dropping um, gospel tracks all over the, the, the community... And they littered, you know, the streets and the backyards and the front yards of all the with all these tracks, you know, just it wasn't like they got over one backyard and dropped a track. You know, they just threw hundreds of the things out in the air. <clears throat> and the community was absolutely livid. They called it the gospel blimp. <clears throat> they went out and and I'm sure they were thinking, oh, this will be the greatest. It was I mean, it was a bad idea, but they got persecuted pretty I mean they got dragged into court for what they did. Because that was stupid. Now, now the point is, we do things and we find ourselves persecuted because we're stupid. Because we do stupid things. But that's not what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. We can eliminate some of that unnecessary stuff. But the Bible Bible is very clear. about It it assumes that you and I are going to be exposed to persecution. In fact, there's a statement made in Luke... Chapter 6, I think. And it says this. Beware. Beware. When all men speak well of you. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to get? No, we want people saying nice things about us. I mean, no, isn't it nice to have people say yay and, and, and like us? The Bible says... Beware if all men think you're hunky dory, gang. Um, there is a kind of Christianity that leaves those who profess it safe. Um, you know, they 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 say that you know their religion is a private thing, and so um, um, you know we have a staff meeting on every Wednesday, and we were in a discussion just last, not today, but a week ago today. About a, a a missiologist who is promoting this, 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 I'm sure the staff will remember this, this is a, this is a Christians, people in India who are, who are ex-Hindus who are professing, who are becoming Christians. And so this missiologist, I guess that's what it is, is a missiologist is saying to these converted Hindus, stay in your Hindu church and just don't tell anybody. That you, that you, what do you think about that? Just, just keep it between us, you know. <laughs> and, and we discussed it at the staff and about, and, and the thing that came up is the New Testament is saying, you know, you, you can expect this kind of thing, um, but we do everything that we can to avoid. That which is so distasteful, and it is distasteful, guys. And by the way, this is just an aside. I, I don't think we've got that many single people in here, but I used to do singles a lot, as you, as you know, and, and um, really have a love for singles. I, I do. And, um, but I would... I would um, once a year, it would come up that some Christian wanted to marry a non-Christian. Now think about that, ladies and gentlemen. I say that I'm in, I have fallen in love with people... Who are supposed to persecute me? <laughs> I mean, th- of course, the Bible denounces and will not permit a Christian to marry a non-Christian. But, but the, the the very idea that it would cross my mind that this is the world that's supposed to persecute me, but I've fallen in love with it so that I can marry it and it'll be fine because I'm just going to keep it to myself. Well, that, that's not that's not the assumption of the Scriptures. Notice, I mean, it's 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 an easy assumption, and that is. Bless those who persecute you. It doesn't say if that happens or maybe you know if you're a few fringe people. That's just what it is. And then and then we get the injunction that we are to bless. I mean, in fact, the the injunction is what is what I would call rather tightly designed. That is, what I mean by that is, it says bless. And do not curse. It contains a positive and a negative, so that neutrality is an impossibility. Um, indifference is impossible. It leaves no doubt as to what Jesus Christ expects from his people when we are when we taste this. Could I read you just one other, I just, uh, I mean, um, if you were looking for a life of ease and and clover, then you you bought into the wrong thing. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, on my account. Now, let, first of all, let me just say, anybody who would make a statement like that and is not God; he's a wicked man. But he says, you know, I am pronouncing benediction upon you because people persecute you, revile you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, and they do it because of me. But he does say that. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <clears throat> One thing I can tell you is if, if that is um, something that you've tasted or are tasting, when you are, you're very much like the prophets. Uh, rejoice and be glad knowing that they um, they persecuted the prophets that were before you. Guys, I know this ain't easy to listen to. It ain't easy to say it either. It's, it's simply trying to be faithful to an injunction that we find in a book that we believe is God's word. L- let, me, um, l- let me just try to give you some, uh, maybe a little bit of direction as to how we might get closer to this, um, realizing its difficulty. Um, guys, this little section, or at least this text... Is, is describing how we're supposed to react um, uh, to stimuli outside us, okay? So if to come to the place where we're obedient to it, one of the things that you can start with is remember how God reacted to you. I am, be, I'm, I am being told how to react to persecution. Well, I find this very difficult to do, yes, okay, Then here's how we can start to get closer. We can, we can remember how God has reacted to us in our, in our rebellious and indifferent state. And then having remembered how He reacted to us, then we can ask, why is it that they are persecuting me? I can tell you that, ladies and gentlemen. Just like Apollyon said, I hate, I hate your prince. I hate His word. And I hate you. He hates you because you belong to that prince. So, why is this persecution coming? Guys, people, the world does not object to church membership. They object to Christianity. I don't care whether you're a member of a church. <laughs> what they despise is, is, is people who are um, reflective of the of the person of Christ because it's it's condemning. So, my brother and sister in Christ, you want to know how to, re- how to react to um to the Thaddeus Matthews of the world? Bless and curse not. How you like that? Kind of stick right here going down. It does, doesn't it? And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is just as serious about that as He is John 3.16. He's just as serious about us marveling in that promise as He is this injunction. It's the same mind of God that's behind it. But boy, that's, um, it's rather tough, is it not? Let's, let me do this. I've got nine minutes left, and let me just cover, um, verse 15 rather hurriedly because I'm eager to get off 14. Um, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. You know what, what you have here is a call to really just to display the milk of human kindness. You know, just um, um, empathy. Christians are to display empathy. Um, it's easy enough to understand, I think. Um, I am to display a. a a kindness to people in both states now here, here's here's my my question to you which of those two things do you think is the most difficult is it most difficult to weep with those who weep or rejoice with those who rejoice well you think about that and you think well um, you know i like happy times and i i like to be happy but i want to suggest to you ladies and gentlemen that weeping with those who weep is far easier than rejoicing with those who rejoice. And I'll explain that in a minute. But let me tell you it is not hard, I don't think. It is not hard, it is not as hard to weep with the weeping, to, empath- to empathize with somebody in their defeat, um, <clears throat> to share in their sorrow. What is hard, however, is to rejoice with someone else in their victory. Um, the reason I say that, guys, is that I think we find often that we find ourselves envying the victory, the, the, the success. And so um, somebody calls you with the great good news um, that they have finally gotten pregnant. And you haven't. How do you rejoice with those who rejoice? The the thing that that makes it so much more complicated, guys, is that is that self gets into that. <clears throat> whereas, I I would suggest to you that it's it's easy to identify with people's defeat because we got so much of it. <clears throat> that is ourselves. But to rejoice with the with the victorious. Um, we, get, we get caught up in our lack of victory while people are celebrating victory. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, I would go so far as to say, um, not only do we find ourselves, um, not only do we find it difficult to rejoice with the rejoicing, we even we even enjoy their calamities the germans have a word for that it's called Sch- schadenfreude i don't think i said that right but that's close it's it's a um, it's it's being happy when others lose And being unhappy when they win. You ever notice the ravages of the fall in you, ladies and gentlemen? This ought to be far enough to go. To see how devastating, what a devastating blow the fall has been to us, all of us. We find it hard to rejoice with those who rejoice because we are so bound up with self. Or am I just the only one? I don't think so. Um, Guys, it's only the rebirth that helps to solve the problem of self. No amount of grinding your teeth, no amount of saying, well, I'm going to, you know, guys, I, I've i had to live with these two verses for a week, and I'm still finding it difficult to pray for the Thaddeus Matthews of the world. But but just because Jimmy Young is finding it difficult doesn't lessen the seriousness of the injunction. It is there for all of us, folks. So the, the way that we handle our failings is the way that we handle any failing is we... Um, we confess our sin, and we race to the gospel. We go back to the provisions of the gospel and find. Let, let me tell you guys, if there's, l- l- let me just let me just give you two injunctions, and I'll stop. Um, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Um, bless those who curse, uh, who who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Forget the rest. What that says is very loud and clear. We all need a savior, this savior. Because apart from all these other things that, you know, we might can pull off with, you know, for instance, I don't know that there's a whole lot of thieves in this room. That is, I mean, do you steal? I hope not, but um, maybe you do. But, But I mean, those things that we're successful over, Forget those. Just just concentrate on the two that, that are before you tonight. And see all over again that we are a people who are in desperate need of a Savior. Not a friend, not a counselor, not a big brother. We need a Savior because our problem, our problem is sin. 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 The good news is Savior that we need, was provided. That's good. Our Father, and there, is, there is not a soul in here that is not slain by statements like these. Not mine. The, the ones that are under the inspiration of your spirit. This uh, verse 14 and verse 15. Um, tucked here in the back of, a, of Romans 12. Who knew that we didn't need to go to Exodus 20 when we all we have to do is go to Romans 12 and find that what it does for us is make us long for the Savior all over again. And So to that end, Father, we do come back to the great provisions that you've made for us in Christ. We are a broken people, far more wicked than we ever, ever dreamed and yet far more loved than we ever dared hope because of the provisions that you have made for us in Christ. We celebrate that and aid us by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to bring about more and more conformity to injunctions like these as well as so many others in your word. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Thanks and good night.